there. Welcome back to Great Quarter, guys. The show where the lines between freight, finance, and tech are none. I'm Andrew Cox, Senior Retail Analyst here at FreightWaves, and your host today, alongside lead economist Anthony Smith, for episode 89 of Great Quarter, guys. We had the Des episode, 88 episode last week. I don't know numbers. I guess Steve Smith may be coming to nine yeah. uh, for a number 89 episode. So that's who we're donating, or uh, we are making this episode for. We are going to talk about a white-hot acquisition market. There's a bunch of stuff going on. We saw Chop Tank got acquired uh, this morning by Hub Group. We've also got uh, a bunch of uh, money being raised by companies that were just started last year. Gorillas, this is another one of those vertically integrated, uh, fast delivery companies that's delivering food and essentials under 30 minutes. They're based in Berlin, growing super fast. They've expanded into New York as well. They were founded in May, Anthony, May of 2020. And this company just raised a billion dollars at a $3.1 billion valuation. So what does this company do? This company is just is very, very similar to GoPuff. They own micro-fulfillment stores and they sell uh, and they deliver groceries online, you know, small groceries, essentials, you know, paper towels, that type of stuff, delivered to you within 15 minutes for a very cheap price. Okay, so... That's, when you talked about GoPuff yesterday, I had to look it up, look at the available areas. I went to Mace, Arizona. Like, all right, if I was in Arizona, I could do this. And out of it was super dope. Hearing this, okay, within 15 minutes. And it seems like, of course, with everything, resources are going to keep pouring in. The limb is going to get pushed. Those times are going to get shorter. The offering is going to get more wide. And, and so when I'm looking at this, I'm thinking, where is the limit where this kind of starts to spill over a little bit? Where are we going to see where there's going to be like, all right, the spaces are just kind of uh, saturated oh, and, yeah. and spill over? Yeah, I mean, I think we're headed towards it quickly, right? We're going to head to this point where consolidation is going to be the only way for these companies to be profitable. You know, think there was way more than just Uber and Lyft. Yeah. Uber started snatching up those competition. Lyft started snatching up competition. And they're going to, this, the same thing's going to happen here down the road. Whoever, it's going to be a, a winner take most market, most likely, where you have three or four players in this. I mean, we, I mean we're, we're talking about the new ones that are being funded. We're going to talk about Instacart here in a minute. Uh, they just made an acquisition to kind of expand into their B2B to C experience. We'll talk about that in a moment. But they're still here. Uber and Lyft are still here. I mean, yeah. there's a lot of competition. So you're right. I mean, it's going to get really hectic here very shortly with all this money pouring in. All right, we've got a guest coming up in a moment, Donna Kintop, SVP of Client Expertise, or Experience, rather, uh, in North America for DDC FPO. DDC is my sponsor, so I want to take a moment to thank them. This episode is brought to you by DDC FPO. DDC is a business processing outsourcing provider that specializes in freight. Discover why today's top-rated LTL players rely on DDC FPO. Learn more at ddcfpo.com. Again, that's ddcfpo.com. Com. All right, I've got, you got a chart of the day? I've got one for you. We've got uh, one chart here. This is showing, we're trying to highlight a little bit. We've been talking about this freight dislocation, how there is just so much freight headed out of the West, not as much heading into the West. That's cur- causing further imbalances. Well, here is our outbound tender volume index. Uh, the green line and blue line are outbound tender volume index from Ontario and LAX, um, respectively. Green is Ontario, blue is LAX. And then the purple and orange lines are the respective inbound tender volume indexes for both Ontario and LA. So what I'm trying to highlight here is that outbound tender volume index uh, headed out of LA is out of LA and Ontario is 43% higher than the inbound uh, outbound tender or inbound tender demand rather. So you magnify this over a year and you just simply have too much freight headed out of the West and not enough headed into the West. And even if demand eases out of the West, there's still a strong likelihood 
that, uh, that it will probably slow all around the country at once. It's not just that we're going to have demand fall out of the West and all of, all of, all of a sudden we're going to need more freight heading into the West. Like this imbalance is probably going to persist even when the freight demand in general slows a little bit, um, just given the disproportionate amount of goods being imported from Asia and um, you know, the industrial manufacturing that's been pushed over there as well. Railroad bottlenecks due to the drayage capacity, they've also exaggerated these problems. Um, as Union Pacific shut down service from LA and Chicago or LA to Chicago, we also had um, another, another rail did that as well. So you know, demand easing would help here um, yeah. out of the West. But these imbalances are not new, and the rise of e-commerce and buying more stuff online, more stuff from Asia. We, you know, this build back a better, better build back America plan. All of our efforts to increase American production, it's just it's turned into us importing more as a, as a percentage of our goods that we make right now. At, at least you know currently, we might be able to nearshore some of this in the coming years, but this takes time, and these imbalances are not going anywhere. That's kind of the point of today's chart of the day. Yeah, it's a big point there. Um, that was one of the big rants I went on. I remember back on my one of my economy lately videos talking about how we're not going to recover at the same rate. And I think that's exactly what we're seeing right now. We're recovering at a faster rate and that demand, that American demand isn't going anywhere. I mean, it's likely going to ease in a sense, uh, you know, in the upcoming year, but really those consumers still strong, still very much rampant with their buying habits. That's going to kind of persist into 2022. And the thing is, it's like, it's in the face of blatant inflation. And there is no, you know... No slowing. No slowing, really. And I mean, even when they are going to slow, it's still going to be at a pretty impressive clip. And so I have an incredible team back there in in the control room because uh, they have this chart of the day for me. I just kind of sprung on them on the last second here. Um, So what we have here is industrial production and flatbed outbound trade rejection index. The industrial production, as you can see there, is in the orange line. So it's hovering just above that blue line, which is industrial production. Um, So, and Andrew, on my weekly outlook for the Daily Watch, one of the things I said going into it was industrial production and housing starts. Don't get too caught up in those headlines when you see a little bit of easing or a decline in those numbers because there is still a lot of momentum going in. So we're going to need to look at that flatbed up onto the rejection just to kind of keep you honest as to what's really going on. If you look within... The, the industrial production report from the Federal Reserve, you see that automotive vehicles production, high demand, but down 7% month to month. That's because we can't actualize those production numbers when we're short on our microchips, when we're short on certain parts to actually finish those vehicles. So even though those raw goods and those commodities are moving through the country, freight's still up, but just because production is easing in a sense, isn't because there's a lack of demand or that there's something bursting with uh, housing or manufacturing, but just because there is that one aspect that's missing to kind of continue production from being finalized. I think that's a really good point. I love, I mean, we, we've now called it the Anthony Index, the, yeah. the, the flat out output tender reject index, but it is a really great measure. Again, we've talked about this a few times, but because we have so few flatbound, uh, flatbed volumes, it's hard to, it's hard for us to make any type of, um, you know, outbound tender volume index for flatbed. But you got to understand that the rejection index is tied to demand. So yeah. looking at that, understanding that when, and, and also flatbed capacity is much stickier than all the other modes. So when you see the, outbound, or the, the flatbed outbound tender reject index increasing, it is a measure of demand as well. So it's a, it's, a, it's a great point, Anthony. And on the side of consumers, come back to that. We've got our buy sell coming up here in a moment. Uh, Moody's is predicting consumer demand to wane a little bit uh, in 2022. So we'll debate that here in a second. All right, congestion check real quick before we get on to Donna. Uh, ship report for yesterday. 
bad one. Uh, back up to 70 ships at anchor. We were at 62 this time last week. Uh, so not making any headway. That that uh, 24-hour push is slow. Let's let's call it that. Um, last week, we talked about Jaina Partners. They were the uh, activist investor that is taking a stake in Macy's, encouraging them to spin off their e-commerce business. We talked about how we don't think that's a great idea, but Saks Fifth Avenue did it, and they are uh, now IPOing Saks.com. I wanted to bring this up as a top story because you now see why Macy's is, why Macy's is getting pushed to do this. So uh, they had Saks.com was then valued at two billion dollars when they in when they it got a five hundred million dollar infusion uh, from HBC that was in March. They are now planning to IPO uh, in the coming weeks at a $6 billion uh, target. So they are you know, jumping on this crazy demand for uh, e-commerce that investors have right now, and they're getting a, a fabulous valuation, really. So we'll see how that trades. We'll, we'll keep you updated on when that IPO comes. All right, and the top story for today, it has to be Hub Group. They made a huge acquisition in Chop Tank to get into the refrigerated over-the-road space. So transportation giant Hub Group said on Tuesday that it has acquired truck brokerage Chop Tank Transportation. Uh, which specializes in refrigerated transportation for $130 million in cash. This puts Hub into the overroad reefer business for the first time. Uh, the transaction, which closed on Tuesday, they think is going to create some strong cross-selling opportunities for Hub Group. Company executives said on the analyst call when the deal was announced, Hub's over-the-road business focuses on dry van and LTL currently, and its customers have never had access to over-the-road cold chain services. So, could be some good cross-selling opportunities there. Uh, Hub Group's Stock didn't move too much on it. I think it was up about a percent or two today. Uh, so not crazy reaction from the market. Um, but everybody seems to be happy that I've spoken to about this in the industry. All right, let's bring on our guest. We've got Donna Kintop, the SVP of Client Experience in North America at DDC FBO. Donna, thanks for joining us. Andrew, how are you guys doing? We are fabulous. Thanks so much for taking the time. So, uh, Good, peace. my pleasure. So peak season is, I don't know if we can call it around the corner. It's, it's been here for a long time, it seems. We've, we've kind of been in this 18-month peak season or so. Um, what should carriers do headed into the, the balance of the year, the last couple months here? Yeah, so the reality is peak season has been around a long time, and it's going to intensify even more through the end of this year. You know, as you alluded to just a little bit earlier, we've got this huge backlog coming out of the West Coast. We're still dealing with labor shortages that impact our docks, our drivers, our, our internal resources, and, you know, and our carriers are at capacity. So, you know, we're going into a time of, of high anxiety um, and, you know, the things that we find uh, in working with our carriers is that, you know, they've been planning. They need to continue to plan. Uh, we need to make the most of every single process, make it as efficient and effective as possible um, and, you know, keep um, automating, keep uh, moving their processes into much more a streamlined and efficient way and utilize their partners to the best of their ability to get through these next couple of months. So Donna, one of the things you just mentioned there, streamlining and these processes, because we're looking at all these volumes going through the country and from the ports. Yeah. All I can think of is increased likelihood for error. And so I'm just kind of curious, are you seeing anything like this? And are these big deals? I mean, when we're looking at all these volumes and we're looking at all these processes, is there more likelihood for errors to kind of come through the systems? Yes and no. Um, you've got your higher volumes that are coming up. Uh, we've seen an increase in volume over the last few months. So, you know, we as an operational partner make sure that we have quality practices in place regardless of the volume. So, while you may see a higher volume, as long as you stick with what you know, 
um, and make sure that all of those bills are being examined and, and they're put through with the highest level of accuracy, you're going to be able to minimize any type of reinvoicing or customer dissatisfaction. And, you know, let's face it, we all don't have the time most days to do things once. And so, you know, having to repeat that work and, and do it twice really is just not an option these days. So, you know, we've just got to be careful. We are very careful every day. Donna, we've got delays in the transportation network, that's certain. But let's talk about delays in getting paid and billing. Um, what, you know, how detrimental is it to a company if the billing process gets delayed here in the peak season? Oh, it's critical. Uh, it's just critical. So, you know, we have to watch out and make sure that the billing stays on target, that we continue to help to reduce uh, DSO and make sure that the accuracy levels are high. If we're not assisting as an operational partner in the best way, and our carrier partners are not able to keep up with their billing, keep their billing on time, or even issue it as early as possible, you know, it impacts their ability, their cash flow, and, and the um, consequences really do kind of trickle down to their customers. So we want to make sure as an operational partner that we stick with it, that we do the very best we can to pay attention to our turnaround times, uh, and we keep those lines of communication open and change on the fly as necessary. And Donna, uh, last question for you before you know we, we wrap this up. I kind of want to uh, take it, I guess, a little bit more broadly, right, about what DDC yeah. is doing specifically here uh, during this difficult time, right? How is DDC helping? You, you mentioned a couple things there, but how is DDC helping mitigate risk uh, right now? Because, I mean, risks are abound. Yeah, absolutely. So some of the things that we do um, are make sure that the lines of communication are open. We have regular dialogue with our clients. We make sure that as their um, situations change, you know, due to the market, due to their customers, that we're able to adapt with them. Um, we have to understand their forecasts and work with them very carefully um, and really make sure that we are able to flex our teams and flex our processes, you know, to help them. And, um, you know, we see a lot of our partners, they're excellent at what they do. They've been around a long time. Um, and so we just try to work with them in the best way possible. Donna, that's great. Thank you so much for taking the time today. Everyone, this has been Donna Kintop, the SVP of customer of Client Experience in North America at DDC FBO. Donna, thank you so much. You're welcome. Take care. All right, everyone. Again, this, is, uh, this episode is brought to you by DDC. They are our sponsor for the day, DDC. FPO, DDC is a business process outsourcing provider that specializes in freight. Discover why today's top-rated LTL carriers rely on DDC FPO. Learn more at ddcfbo.com. All right, Anthony, I have a buy-sell for you today. It is not only Target. Uh, Walmart has come out and said the same thing, but there was, one, there was one statement in the Target press release about their supply chain preparation that caught my eye that I wanted to get you to buy or sell. Um, okay, they said... Thanks to the amazing work across Target, our supply chain is moving as efficiently as possible in time for the holidays. And there's some things after that. But that is kind of what we're buying or selling here. Do you actually think that they believe that their supply chain is moving as efficiently as possible right now? I guess that's kind of a, it's a very broad way to say it because they're basically this clever way of saying, hey, we're doing the best we can. But are you buying or selling that? Are they really moving as efficiently as possible? I believe it, but it doesn't mean anything to me. So it's like when I was in gridlock traffic, when I was back in Boston, commuting um, back and forth from Manchester to, to, you know, Boston. And I'm going as fast as I can. Right. <laughs> How fast can I go, you know, at six o'clock when I'm coming from Boston into New Hampshire doing that reverse commute? And yeah, I might be going as fast as I can. And just so happens that, you know, I'm on the pike and I'm going about maybe 
maybe 25, 35 lucky miles per hour. And, and, you know, for the next couple of hours. And so I believe it, but it doesn't really mean that much. Definitely appreciate them continuing to work through this because they're going to be one of the integral parts of really making sure that we have this, you know, retail season that we're going to come into pretty soon. Yeah, uh, I think that's a really good way to put it. Yeah, it's like, yeah, it's like sitting in LA traffic saying, "Yeah, we're doing the best we can." Yeah, I mean, they've, you know, they've, they're trying. They've opened up four new DCs or four new assortation centers this this year. We talked about those. Those are kind of those. Um, it's it, this company is the only company in the world I think that can add steps to the fulfillment process and save money right now. But that's what they're doing with these sortation centers. They had never had a sortation center. They had just delivered either from a fulfillment center or from the store. But now they are aggregating all of the online orders from a bunch of stores to one sortation center and then delivering those. So they've they've opened up four of those this year. Two new DCs. They've hired thirty thousand um, full full time supply chain employees and. You know, they're part of that supply chain task force that's, um, you know, uh, made commitments to try to shore up and help up the, the Port of L.A. and Long Beach. They're going to move 10% more of their stuff at night. We'll see what kind of impact it has. But, you know. That, that right there <laughs> tells me so much more than, you know, move, um, doing the best that we can right now. So yeah. all those steps is meaningful that you just said that. But when I hear the other one, I'm just thinking, yeah, I'm going as fast as I can and gridlock traffic. Yeah, yeah, it's a good point. Uh, Walmart came out and said something similar uh, that, you know, they listed out all of the things that they've done, including chartering ships, and they've hired 20,000 people. So uh, I do take it as, you know, I don't know if it's smoke and mirrors or if it's a true sign of confidence that everyone else, all the other retailers that I'm following, they're coming out and saying, hey, buy early, expect delays, expect out of stocks. And Walmart and Target are saying, hey, we, we have some out of stocks, but we're ready. We've been yeah. we we've, we've been ready. You know, we've uh, we grew inventory 25% in Q2. We're going to get that Q3 number here in a couple of weeks. I'm sure that they've grown inventories in Q3 as well. So, they're trying. All right, let's buy sell one more here. This one is the one I was speaking of earlier from Moody's. Moody's came out and said that they believe retail growth will cool after 2021's burst of demand. Moody's lowered its expectations for the retail industry going into 2022 after a, quote, ferocious growth in 2021. So far, the ratings agency lowered the industry outlook to stable. Analysts with the ratings agency estimate overall revenue growth of 3.9% and an operating profit increase of 2.3% across the industry. That follows Moody's forecast at a nearly 30% operating income spike in 2021. Moody's analysts said the recent stellar growth will be that much more difficult to match because of the mounting challenges, including the Delta variant, which, okay, uh, supply constraints, labor shortages, and increasing input costs. Those we can all <laughs> tick off. Uh, yeah. What do you think? You buying or selling that we're going to see consumer growth slow in 2022? I'm buying. Um, and I think, so this is one of those things where I'm, especially upstream, I was like, we can't be in hyperdrive nonstop. Yep. So we're going to see some easing. And, but, but the thing is, when we're talking about easing, it's still going to be incredible at an incredible pace is my expectation. So we're looking at manufacturing, we're looking at downstream, upstream, everything in between. I'm still expecting that there's going to be a pretty impressive clip. So cooling for sure and easing in a sense, but still incredibly busy overall. I need to go back and look at retail growth, like pre-pandemic. I don't know what our annual like CAGR was mm -hmm. on that because I'm thinking 4%. 4% growth is what they're expecting. I mean, that's 2x the GDP number that economists typically, you know, uh, model. So, I mean, that's still that's still strong growth. It's yeah. just not the 30% that we've seen in the last two years. So, uh, the only points I wanted to make here were savings rate. You know, it's come way down, but it's still 9.4%. I mean, it's probably going to still, that's in August, 9.4%. It's probably going to continue to decline uh, as we get further and further away from those stimulus checks. But we're still double the 10-year the yeah. average prior to this. I mean, we're back to savings rate levels that we had in the 80s. Uh, so 
there's still quite a bit of money out there, net debt to net assets. We talk about that one on Freight Waves now all the time, still at one of the lowest rates it's been since the 60s. And that's because net worth keeps going up. I mean, yeah. we still have, we have houses and stocks, the two main, uh, you know, wealth generators in this country. They keep going up. Uh, they were up $5.8 trillion in Q2 alone. So there's money to be spent. I just don't know if, you know, it's going to be that, um, what's the word, the stamina that you uh, always speak yeah, about. Yeah. It's like, do we have enough stuff? Have we bought enough stuff? I don't know. But I know that a lot of people, there's millions of Americans that have had rent memorandums and eviction memorandums that they haven't had to, or moratoriums rather, where they haven't had to pay as much or they've had a discounted rate. They haven't been spending as much on services. So there's still money to spend. So um, I, I, I don't know if I'm buying this 100%, but I agree that we're not going to have the same growth. You know, yeah. I, I, you know it's, it's, it's interesting. I think next year will be better than people expect. I mean, we, we talked about this year. People weren't expecting to be as strong as we were this year. That we thought that the stamina would would slow, and we haven't seen it yet. So I don't know. Maybe don't yeah. maybe don't doubt the American consumer. That's all I, I'm don't, saying. I don't. I don't. No, not you, but just Moody's. <laughs> <laughs> not at all, because there, like you said, where is that stamina? Where are we going to find that we've bought enough stuff? And I don't think we're ever going to see that until it really hurts the pockets. And I think one of the big things is that we always move in trends, we always move in cycles. So. One of the things I think you're you're chatting about just before the show were some of the labor strikes happening right now. And this is only something that can happen during this phase of the cycle when we're looking at employer to employment, employee uh, relations and trends right now. Because at a certain point, they might shift and it is going to shift sooner or later. And so it all moves in trends, it all moves in flows and definitely going to be interested to see how this one kind of plays out or how long it kind of persists for. I think that's a, a one good point before we get on to you, Karen, was, uh, you know, Americans aren't going to stop until it starts really hitting the, 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 the paycheck, hitting the pay. And we've seen a lot of inflation this year, but we, we've talked about this a couple episodes ago. The inflation is not from crazy transportation costs. The inflation is from the supply and the shortages we have right now. So if production can catch up, we might be able to, I mean, I'm not, I'm not saying this inflation is transitory because we, we've proven now that it's not, it's here to stick for a while. But my point is that we, we might get to a, we might get to a point next year that the inflation pressures wane and savings rate is still fairly high and consumers are still spending. So it's going to be fun to watch. All right, right. let's get on to you, Karen. We've got a couple. We'll try to run through them before uh, we're out of time today. Uh, This one is on Gorillas. So that was the company I was just telling you about. We can just kind of touch on this German delivery firm, Delivery Hero. If you haven't heard of these companies, you really should. They're a massive um, e-commerce focused 3PL in Germany. They've invested $235 million dollars in Gorillas. This is a company, again, that was founded in May 2020. They've grown really fast, but founded in May 2020. And that's that's just a little bit of the funding round. They raised a billion dollars uh, at a $3.1 billion valuation, and 235 of that came from Delivery Hero. Anthony, you care or not when you hear these just crazy numbers? I, I care only because it just seems like this supply chain, freight tech, isn't the only area that's really seeing these growing valuations. This really kind of shows that this is still part of the supply chain in a sense and distribution, but really showing it's moving outside. Yeah, it's like a really really wide portfolio of stuff. Like it's not just 3PLs. It's not just like a fulfillment company or robotics company, but there's so many different avenues and niches within this logistics space that are just growing crazy right now. Uh, Yeah, another one here, Instacart, right? They're another company that has grown rapidly uh, and their valuation has grown rapidly. They acquired a company called Caper AI this week, uh, a provider of smart cart and cashierless checkout technology. I haven't used any of this tech yet because I haven't been to any of the like Amazon um, four stars or the Amazon grocer or the the go stores that have these, but these are like 
you know, the grocery carts with an iPad in it, more or less, that you can scan everything on. Uh, they paid a lot of money for this company. But this is Instacart trying to expand out of uh, just fulfillment and delivery and into the actual physical retail space, which is interesting. They're calling it the B2B2C uh, movement. Uh, so it's a little bit, little bit interesting there. So watch out for Instacart. They got to grow into that $40 billion valuation. Yeah. I am unfortunately running out of time. So I'm going to have to let y'all go. We'll see you again, same time next week, three o'clock Eastern right here on Freightways TV. See you. Go Braves. 